name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. Hello, thanks for listening to this month's Northern Logger podcast. So on this month's podcast, I had the pleasure of talking to the folks behind Johnson Forest Management, a logging company located in upstate New York out of the small town of Red Creek, New York. Red Creek, for those who don't know, is located just about five miles south of Lake Ontario in the Finger Lakes region of the state. And the town might be named for the color of the water that flows in Red Creek, which is a mineral red hue due to iron in the waterbed. Or it might be named for an old tannery that used to sit near some waterfalls in town that local lore says died the the water supply in the town bright red at some point. There are lots of families in Red Creek that have lived there for many generations since the old tannery days, and the Johnson family are some of those. Tom Johnson got his start logging in 1979, which is 50 years after his grandfather, Ed Johnson, started the family logging business with only a crosscut saw, a T20 international crawler tractor, a log truck, and a 1937 Ford. Johnson's father entered the business when he was only 15 years old, and he worked until he passed away in 2002, which is when Tom took over the business. Today, Tom works with his son, Trevor, and his nephew, Dustin, and we just had a great time talking to them about what it means to be successful logging in upstate New York and what it takes to stay in the business for four generations and counting. So thanks for listening. On to Tom Johnson. Okay, well, I'll let him do the talking on how he got started. I know I know it started when, you know, all of us have started when we were in high school working with the family business, but I'll let him take his start away. Hi, Eileen. How, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. I, I am Tom. Um, basically, my grandfather started this business in 1939. Started out with a T20 international crawler, skidding logs in a cross cut. At the same time, he, he, had, he had a log truck, but I can't I, I honestly tell you if it was a 36 or 37 Ford. My dad, he, he came into the business when he was 16 full-time. And he did it for better than 40 years of his life. He passed away uh, 2002, yeah. you know, 18 years 18 years ago with cancer, and that kind of left me left me in charge, I guess, running the business. I'm 41 years old. Yeah, and uh, I guess at that just before my dad passed away, we started with hired help. Um, having comp insurance with W.J. Cox. It was always family before that. I started 1979, I guess, working full-time for my dad and uh, graduated from high school. It was all he could do to keep me in school. You know, I wanted to work in the woods that bad. I've been doing it ever since. Uh, after 35, 40 years, I kind of lost interest into it a little bit. But these two boys... Uh, Got out of high school. Both of them went to Paul Smith College, which was huge. Um, they learned an awful lot at, at Paul Smith, and uh, I, I'm awful glad that they they both went to 
to Paul Smith or to college to learn more about the forestry end of it. And then they came on board when they graduated. Well, yeah, shortly after they graduated from college, and that was what? 13 for me, 2013. 2013 for Trevor. And 2010. For 2010 for, for Dustin. Kind of gave me a new, new look in the... On life, as far as the logging business goes, you know, they showed an interest into it and been hanging here ever since. That's great. So can you tell me a little bit about, before we get into the specifics of, you know, choices you've made throughout your career, can you just talk a little bit about what the forest is like around Red Creek and how that's influenced the way that you operate? Basically, the region we work in is considered the Finger Lakes, and we grow the nicest Hard, hard maple in the world. Seems like everybody kind of comes out here. My grandfather, my dad, they they practice forest management before anybody even thought of thought about it. You know, they always set people up on a ten year rotation, go in and harvest the stuff that was ready to be cut, the poorer grade. And ten years later, um, they'd go back and cut it again. I mean, there's woodlots that uh, my my dad had cut. Uh, four times there's wood lots that I've cut five times you know I guess the biggest biggest thing around our region is our wood lots are small I'm going to say the average wood lot probably in our area is 25 acres but when we get on a 100 or 200 acre parcel that's that's kind of huge for us you know but the, we move an awful lot but the, we cut off a nice hard maple it just uh, it just keeps on growing and uh, we uh, Try to look for the future, you know, for landowners and, and ourselves. And are you mostly working for private landowners, or do you bid on state jobs? We do mostly on private. We have, uh, state of New York doesn't much mark much timber up in this area for some reason. Um, up along the lakeshore, I guess they're kind of protective of it. But, uh, yeah, 95% or 100% is all uh, um, private. And are you buying stumpage, or are you mostly yes. working with? Okay. Yep, we've never never job for a sawmill. It's, we've always bought our own stumpage, and uh, well, we kind of like it that way. Yeah. And we we've been on a lot of uh, bid sales through different forestry outfits, and um, we're we're very uh, very competitive doing that. And can you tell me a little bit about your equipment lineup now? There's two main reasons we went with the the. Timber Pro, the feller buncher. First thing is for safety for the for, for the boys with this ash borer that's coming in. It, we don't really have the ash borer. It's too bad in Wayne County, but it's just a matter of time before we have the ash borer. There's going to be so much more dead wood in, in the woods. So I kind of pushed the boys to to go with the Timber Pro, um, the feller buncher. And second of all, I mean our climate change is is changing, and you you seem to get more rainy days in the summertime and our winters aren't as cold as they used to be to get the ground froze up so when you get good conditions you got to try to really move the timber fast so that's kind of the second reason we kind of went with the feller buncher to move wood faster because of the weather the way it is in the recent years so i want to go back a little bit (laughs) it seems like you all have a generational familiarity with forestry in that region I was wondering if you could kind of talk to me about how things have changed over the course of your career. Well, how things have changed, the equipment is probably the biggest biggest change I've seen. My grandfather started out with a cross cut, and then he went with a two-man 
small chainsaw, and we've stepped up into the Feller Buncher. That's that's huge. I can't imagine cutting a tree down with a, a crosscut at this point. That's why my grandfather started. Adding the, for, the forwarder to, to the mix is kind of help us through wet weather. We can put the, the timber out roadside. Yeah, our, the forwarder very seldom goes in the woods. It goes just from the front edge of the woodlot out to the out to the road so the, the log truck can pick them up, you know, without gotcha. white and whatnot. The next biggest thing I see as far as equipment is when we went from a cable to a grapple skitter. I mean, that up production more than I ever thought it would. And when we bought the, the slasher, that did the same thing. And I had always kind of contemplated when my dad was alive to go with the slasher. And I always felt as though I couldn't see the, the tree good enough to, to cut good grade logs up. But uh, um, after having it, it's proven me wrong. You can see it and you can cut um, nice logs out of your tree. Right. You know, you got into the business as a young person and then you saw the next generation of your family do that. And I'm curious what you've seen that's different about getting into the industry now than it was when you got started. Um, I guess back when I got started and these boys got started is the biggest difference I see is the cost of equipment. A new new skitter back when I started was 60,000 and now there's 260,000. That's 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 a big difference as far as I can you know, as the way I look at it. I I Feel, feel sorry for anybody that's not in the logging business and they want to get started into it. They have to lay it out a, an awful lot of money to uh, get started. These boys kind of had something, and myself, we had something to get started, previous generations. The big difference I see now, too, is the markets. You know, yeah. Grandpa always dealt with one sawmill. Yeah. And now we, we're dealing with a lot of different buyers. Yeah, we, we deal with, a, a, you know, six, seven Eight different sawmills at times. We deal with a lot with the Amish. Um, our main saw log markets is Westbury Lumber Company, and they're two miles from our shop. And the other one we deal with is Tim, Tim Creighton Sawmill, and he's well, 17 miles from the shop. And, uh, you know, with Dusty saying with the markets, I mean, when I started, there was um, a saw log market a pallet market and a firewood market. And now on our landings, we have like eight different sorts. I mean, we have veneer, we have saw logs, pallets, hardwood pallets, softwood pallets, uh, mat logs, firewood. <laughs> it's just, a, <laughs> that definitely has changed. You, for us, we try to maximize the woodlot for the landowner. So that, that's why we have all the different sorts. Right. So how do you, yeah, how do you manage those landowner relationships? Is that a part of, that comes naturally to you, or is it something that you had to learn over the years? Um, I guess, I guess my dad was a really good teacher. He would take me when I was young, and when he'd go to a landowner, I bought my first uh, woodlot when I was 16 years old, and I don't know, from there, it just, uh, it seemed easy for me, you know, uh, I guess probably having a good teacher helped. 95% of our work with landowners is on a handshake. I ask them if they want a contract, and we dealt with them before. No, it's not necessary. And if it's somebody we've never dealt with, they say, well, you come highly recommended. There's no need for a contract. It's all on a handshake. And uh, it's, uh, that kind of makes you feel good. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure having you know the history in the area 
helps yeah. with that. Never had to travel more than 50 miles to, to cut timber. I mean, wow. very seldom are we over 25 miles, 30 miles. Yeah. 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 Back when my dad was alive, he always had a 50 mile radius. He would go, and I've probably cut that down to a 35 mile radius. And you think, well, 35 miles—that's pretty good. But you got to consider we're only five miles from Lake Ontario, so we can't go north too far, and we we run into water, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm curious for you, Trevor and Dustin, when it comes to learning the business. I know it's been important for you all to be able to learn from an older generation, but if you could just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, like Dad said with his father, I rode around with him in the truck, and I started as soon as I was old enough to write numbers. If he had a pit tail, he'd take me there and, you know, have me write down the, the footage on the trees he was measuring. And, I mean, by the time I was in middle school, I probably knew all my trees and, you know, stuff like that, just from all the time I spent walking through the woods with him. And I was always just a kid, and he taught me how to shake people's hand when we would go meet a landowner. And probably the number one thing that I wish I'd ever, always be able to, never be able to catch up to my father on is his mechanic ability. And that's probably because we have nicer equipment now than when he started. Uh, he's a pretty good mechanic and kind of always was handing him a wrench over his shoulder and watching what he was doing. And still work on a lot of equipment, but... Probably nothing like we used to. <laughs> well, the new stuff is so computerized, you know. It's like it's just a completely different game. It's helped on the book end of things, um, being able to look over his shoulder and seeing how he does things and kind of keeping consistent there. You know, I've learned a lot about running a business uh, from my uncle, and that's that's been huge too. Yeah. That's great. I, I think when we turned 18 or 20, I don't know, as soon as he thought that we were invested enough into the business, he started every Friday afternoon. This is where we're at. You know, this is what we paid this landowner, vice, you know, whatever it may be. This is how much we had in repairs or, you know, this is, you know, the checkbook, what we're doing with it, what, what went out, what came in, that kind of thing. Do you all have a guiding philosophy of the best way to run that side of your business? Have a good accountant. <laughs> have a good accountant you know years ago when I started when my dad started you could work hard and you could make ends make make, make money um, today you better have a pretty good accountant I mean you can work hard as as you want if you don't have a good accountant it's going to be tough for you to make ends meet you know the philosophy I mean as far as we sit down here Friday afternoon the landowner gets paid paid first and if there's enough afterwards Everybody else gets a paycheck, and, you know, we, we pay the landowner first, we pay our bills, and then, you know, uh, if, if there's something left, uh, me and the boys, we get a paycheck at the end of the week, and uh, usually usually there's there's enough to go around for everybody. And uh, Back when, when these boys uh, came into business, I think you were help. And when they showed me that they they showed an interest into it and they wanted to make this business business grow, I, I made them equal partners along with myself um, in this business. So it's like you know now now you have a vested interest into it, and uh, they they've really taken this business and uh, moved it into the next generation. And uh, I, I'm proud of it. And it doesn't matter. Landowners always come back and talk with us. You know, 
most of the time anymore. I'm out on, on the landing running it. The boys are back in the woods, and you know the landowner will go back and talk to the boys. And uh, nine out of ten times, the landowner comes out and makes a special point, and say, you know what, you got two nice young men back in there, and you know that means more to me than you know anything. Um, uh, what would you say was the most challenging part of this career? I don't. I guess the most challenging of this career when, when I started is is uh, I've been doing this uh, 45, 46 years, and I never remember sitting home because we didn't have any work. And I guess when when I came in the business, I mean, we'd get down to maybe only having a, a week or, or maybe two weeks, and you know, start getting nervous. Um, I guess that was the the biggest thing that made me nervous about the business is keeping the timber ahead because we didn't we don't have foresters we bought our own timber we didn't work for sawmills we bought our own timber when i came into business that was my main concern is you know i'm going to spend time i'm going to keep timber ahead and i think the biggest challenge for us the not nowadays it's nothing for us to have two possibly three years worth of timber bought ahead right now ahead of us and that that, that was and uh as far as, you know, working with the DEC conservation officers, I, I, I find that real easy. We've, we've always done things the right way, and uh, nobody's really really had us, had problems. I mean, we gotta, if we got to have to cross a creek, I mean, we, go, we get per, permits from New York State, and uh, it's pretty easy. Um, now, as far as later years, the biggest challenge I, I see is, um, <clears throat> these guys finding help that has the same work ethics that they do, you know. Um, I think that's going to be a challenge in, in years to come for them, <clears throat> when, you know. And uh, I guess the next next challenge is this equipment. It's to the point where we're all, all Cracker Jack mechanics, but the, just most of this equipment, when it goes down, we can't work on it. But, you know, we have to take it to the shop you know, where we bought it, and they have to put it on their computers and figure it out that way. That's a huge challenge. Planning around the weather would be my number one. Planning for the weather, because you always make, you think about it and watch the forecast and try to plan to get everything to land accordingly, but you can't change it. And we find narrow windows a lot more often than it seems like, especially when I hear about the, the good old times, the, the olden days. Of logging, every every winter was froze up all winter long. And, you know, I haven't seen that other than uh, this year was a little exceptional for us. But back when I started for my dad, you could get frost in the ground the first of December and it would hold to the end of March. And we just don't see those winters anymore, you know. So I am curious uh, with you, Trevor and Dustin. You know, the decision to go ahead and go to Paul Smith's and do a forestry degree and. Plenty of people would have said, I'm working, I'm 18, I'm working, <laughs> you know? And so I'm yeah. curious about your decision to, to go to college and, and how that's uh, changed how you approach business. I don't know where, where Dustin's been in when he decided to go to college, but both boys worked for me since they were probably 13 years old, 14 years old. Summers, um, whatnot, and... Trevor, when he he was a senior in school, he was like, you know, ah, I'm coming right to work. I said, no, you're going to college. You're going to get out of this area to see 
what other parts of the country is all about. <clears throat> so he he finally decided to go to Paul Smith, and it was a good thing he met his wife there. And <laughs> yeah, I uh, definitely had him over my shoulder pushing me to go to college, and then I, I'm glad I did. It, and I always thought I'd get kind of get more of the the book learning end of things, and kind of maybe be able to sell this business, you know, when I'm buying a woodlot or something like that, be able to, you know, have a few more scientific things in the my back pocket to use, maybe not so much to impress a landowner, but to let them know that I do like trees and I like growing them better than cutting them down. So, like I said, like my dad mentioned, I didn't meet my wife there, so I'm, I'm pretty glad I went. And also, Paul Smith is a great place for anyone being in the Adirondacks. I, you know, kind of already had a a little bit of my heart in the Adirondacks because we have a camp up there, and I always enjoy it. I like seeing the logging up there because everything seems to be on a bigger scale than what it is around here. My number one thing I didn't like about coming out of there was white pine and learning about white pine and this, that, and coming home and white pine at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that makes sense. Well, great. Yeah, okay, well, uh, have a good afternoon, and I'll just talk to you all soon. Thanks, Eileen. Thanks, Eileen. All Thank right, you. bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this month's Northern Logger podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, go ahead and give us a good rating in, in the App Store or on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out and helps us connect to new listeners. Happy cutting. Happy cutting.